I love you all, and I'm glad to be with you. My name is Russell Cravens, and I'm the lead pastor of Neartown Church. And this church is a really exciting place to, to be a part of what God's doing. We've got a lot of new people in our church, people that are new to the faith, people that are new to this community of faith. But one thing that we do share is a desire to connect with God and connect with others uh, in view of experiencing the peace of life with Jesus Christ. And so that's our hope and our aim. And the way that we uh, do that each week during my time is we open the Bible together. If you do not have a Bible, we want to give you one. And so raise your hand, and my son Price is in the back, and he would be happy to, uh, to give one to you. There's one right here that needs one. Uh, Psalm 23, if you have one of the Bibles that we have, it's on page 458. 458. All right. Um, I'm in this series on Psalms. Two weeks ago, I talked about Psalm 145 and talked about smile. Then last week, we talked about hope in sadness, Psalm uh, 42 and 43. And uh, last week, I gave you something. I gave you a little card with Psalm chapter 42, verse 11 on it. And uh, we have some, if you weren't here, but maybe you listen to the podcast and you want to grab one, there's some in the back. It's an five by eight uh, photo of that verse that you can take home, put in a frame, put in your mirror. Um, don't put it on your windshield because it's a little big, you know, it'll distract you. But uh, wherever you would see it and be encouraged by it in this holiday season. Psalm 23 is quite possibly the most well-known chapter of the Bible. It's a passage in, uh, it's become very well-known because it's used quite often at funerals. In fact, I use it whenever I've done many funerals over the years, and and I typically use it because there's so much hope in it that it brings hope. And one of the funerals that I did that's very memorable for me was a funeral of my grandmother a couple of years ago. And my grandmother was a real interesting lady. She was um, struck by uh, having the illness of polio as a child, and she was a real frail old lady. I mean, really, really frail. She walked with this cane, and one of her legs did not bend at the knee, and so she would walk real slow with this cane. And as we were growing up, I remember my grandmother uh, being kind of frail, but at the same time being like a giant. There was something about her, the way that she carried herself, that we knew, like, you do not mess with grandma. In fact, that cane was like, like a holy item. You know, if we even came close to it, it was real nice. It was like wood and it had like the handles, like this design on it. So as a kid, it's like, come and touch me and, you know, use it as a weapon. Uh, but we knew that, <coughs> excuse me, we knew that that she was a, a really strong woman. And, and as I grew up, I, I, realized, I learned more of her story. When she was young, she had polio. And of course, she grew up in the Depression. And, and she um, uh, was, was, had three boys. One of them died tragically when he was 18 in a car wreck. My, my stepdad's uh, middle brother, their middle brother, died in a car wreck. Uh, when, prior to that, when she was first married to my grandfather, he was a a war hero. He, he got a uh, Purple Heart. He fought in Okinawa. And, and uh, so she was a woman who knew a lot of suffering, knew a lot of difficulty. But in the midst of all that, she became uh, somebody that was not only viewed as a giant by me, but my many people in the city where she lived because she was a theological stalwart. I mean, she was robust in her understanding of God. And and the reason I'm telling you the story as we prepare for Psalm 23 is because I think oftentimes about what it is about this little frail woman that had such a big impact on people's lives. 
And here's what it was. She knew the shepherd. She knew the good shepherd. And what made me think of that is I found this card as I was looking through the boxes recently. And it's a, it's a card that she gave me. And she'd always write me these notes. And, and it's a, it has a picture of a sheep on it. And in it, she says something about the Bible because she gave me this card when she gave me a Bible. And she says, Russell, in season and out, and it will always be a bright shining light for your path. This is a woman who, though small in stature, was a giant spiritually. And so as I stand before you this morning, what I want for you to know this morning is not more about my grandmother, but what I want you to know this morning is that you can have faith in the good shepherd. God is a good shepherd, and you can have faith in him. And here's the thing. God has wired all of us to to connect with people. We're, we're innately designed to be in relationships with other people and with the Creator. And depending on your religious experience, most people that come here have had some kind of religious experience, maybe in your childhood or more recently, even if it was bad at times. You, depending on how it's gone for you, you might find it difficult to re- relate to God in a real and personal way. And one of the reasons I love this psalm so much is because, <coughs> excuse me, because the psalmist talks to God as if God was his friend, or talks about God first and talks to God as if God were his friend and he knows him personally. So we're just going to sit in that this morning. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sit in God's word and just enjoy this truth that God is our shepherd and we can be his sheep. The main idea is we can put faith in God as a good shepherd and provides all that we need through Jesus Christ. So look there in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, the first verse. Let's read it together. It's so well known. I know that it is something that I want you to speak aloud. So here we go. Read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God is the good shepherd. It's picture of God and how he relates to people we see in other places in the Bible, some of which I'll talk about later. But a question that's begged by the psalm and the way in which it's written is, how is God a good shepherd? How does this make sense? I mean, you can get the image in your mind of a sheep with a shepherd. And I'm not going to go into a lot of how the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd works in, in life, but it will be helpful for you to have that image in your mind as you consider these ways that the psalmist says, that God is the good shepherd, relates to him in such a way that he has no want. Amazing if you think about that. First of all, we see in verse 2, the shepherd, the good shepherd, provides nourishment for his sheep. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So as a shepherd leads sheep to fresh grass for feeding, so the Lord leads his people. Now, I want you to notice something about this verse. We miss this so many times that this is familiar to you. It says the shepherd makes the sheep lie down. Fascinating in the wording there because what we realize is that the good shepherd oftentimes works in our lives for good, even when we may not see that it's good, to nourish our souls. And and oftentimes the way that he does this is maybe he stirred in our hearts a passion for something or a belief about some truth in the Bible. Although, or however, there are other times that we learn the hard way by our failed attempts to be nourished by something other than what God wants. Have you ever experienced that? 
Sometimes people live their lives trying to nourish the want within them in ways that other than what God has designed as being a relationship with him. And what is happening is they're left wanting. It's as if they're to be feasting on nutritious, nutrient-rich food, and instead all they do is live on McDonald's or, or Taco Bell or some other place. I'm hungry, actually, now that I think about that. So God is, as the good shepherd, someone who nourishes us. And, and frankly, the, the primary way that God nourishes us is by his word. And we're, we're a people of the book. And uh, I mentioned my grandmother, and as I was cleaning out these boxes, I found this Bible. And on the bottom, it says here, Betsy Wilson. She was a, it sounds like the name of an old kind of frail lady, doesn't it? Betsy Wilson, such a special lady, quite possibly the most significant spiritual figure in my life. And I found this Bible that was heard, and you can just see how tattered it is. It's literally falling apart. You see that? The reason that Grandma Betsy was such a spiritual giant, though small physically, was because she understood that the good shepherd wanted to nourish her. And so she spent time in the Bible. This is so funny. She's got some masking tape here holding the binding together. I I can't imagine all the hours and hours and hours she spent with her little bitty frail fingers flipping the pages of this book, being nourished by the good shepherd. So God provides to the psalmist nourishment and certainly to us too. If God is our shepherd, we are nourished by his word. But if we reject God as our shepherd, we are left starving. Some of you are starving this morning. The psalmist also says that God as the good shepherd offers restoration. Look there in the latter part of verse 2 and verse 3. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. As a shepherd leads his sheep to placid waters for rest and cleansing, so the Lord restores or refreshes the soul. I don't know about you, but I find that a lot of just the normal everyday things that we have to deal with life can be exhausting. And as I look into my own heart and observe what's happening in our community and people's lives, what I see is people that are tired and whose hearts are chaotic. But what we ought to be reminded of this morning is that in relationship with the good shepherd, that what he offers to us is restoration in our souls. If God is our good shepherd, we are being restored. And the way that God does this is by his Holy Spirit. You know, whenever you come to faith in God through Jesus Christ, believing that your sin needs to be forgiven and confessing your sin to God, asking him to forgive your sin through Jesus Christ. Uh, That's good news. Whenever that happens, the Bible says that what happens is God's spirit comes and dwells within you. In the Old Testament, prior to the coming of Christ, when the Holy Spirit would come on to somebody just for a short period of time and they would speak the words of God or lead people in a certain way that God wanted them to or a miracle would happen. But in the New Testament, in Christ, all those that choose to follow Christ have the Spirit within them. And one role of the Spirit is to, to bring comfort in healing and restoration to our souls, to slow our busy hearts. The Good Shepherd. Is restoring our souls through the Spirit. But if you choose to reject God as the shepherd, then your heart will remain chaotic. 
and you'll continue to try to cover up that sense of chaos and tension in your heart in some way other than God. He is certainly one who offers restoration. Thirdly, we see that the psalmist says that the good shepherd gives guidance. Everybody say guidance. It says there in verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is so relevant to all of us because all of us need to be led every single day. Many of you are in professional world and you're making decisions every single day where you could go one of two ways or three ways or four ways and you're needing guidance. Maybe you're ill and you're needing guidance on which doctor to choose or which direction to take medically or maybe you have somebody in your life that you're trying to help. Maybe you're in a relationship. You need guidance. Certainly you do. But you know the good shepherd will give guidance. He knows the right paths on which the sheep ought to travel. And the Lord will not lose his sheep but he guides them in the right way. And he does this not just for you, but ultimately, what? For his name's sake. God can be your guide. Oftentimes we complicate things in our life and even complicate things in this very incredible, mysterious thing that we're describing as being a relationship between the good shepherd and the sheep. But it can be as simple as the good shepherd is good to his sheep and he wants to guide us and lead us. He doesn't always lay out the path two, three, four, five steps ahead of you. Uh, There are a few areas in our lives that Jeannie and I are praying about and thinking about. We can't see two or three or four, five steps down the road. But what we do know is that he's, he's guiding us to the next step. And so we're going to make this decision for our family and for our kids. And we don't know what it's going to look like two or three, but I do believe that the good shepherd wants to guide us. And so we're going to take this step. And I pray that you would know the good shepherd in that same way. If God is our shepherd, we're guided towards his best for us. But if you reject God as your shepherd, you will wander toward destruction. The good shepherd also provides, according to the psalmist, protection. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Excuse me, I have three days to live, but I'm going to get through this sermon. Um, If you find yourself in a valley of deep darkness or shadow of death, this is oftentimes the passage that's read at funerals because that's how we feel it so so accessible at funerals. We feel the brevity of life. We feel the nearness of death. And so we know that we're in the valley of the shadow of death. Well, that's not the only time we feel this or are aware of this. What the psalmist is saying is that there's no need to fear. The Lord is with him, the shepherd, and will protect him. The shepherd is with the sheep and will protect him. There's two items that the shepherd uses to protect the sheep, (coughs) the rod and the staff. And there's so much that could be said about these two items, but what I think it's important for us to understand simply is that God is active in our lives protecting us. Maybe sometimes in ways that we don't even see. This is the role of the good shepherd. David, the author of this psalm, was comforted by the Lord's presence and his protection. We ought to be encouraged that the good shepherd, if you choose to follow him, is one who will guide you, he'll protect you, he will provide comfort for you. 
Now, sometimes that rod and that staff is used to discipline us too and to bring us into line. And although that can be painful, we ought to know that the good shepherd knows what's best for us. If God is our shepherd, we receive protection. It doesn't mean that things will always be easy, but it does mean that the good shepherd is always in control and we're right where he wants us to be. But if you choose to reject God as a shepherd, then you're left to fend for yourself. Now, I want you to notice something that happens in the passage here because this is so powerful. The pronouns in the passage, as we move from verse 3 to 4 and then into verse 5, go from he to you. And it's interesting because the psalmist, I imagine, as he's writing this, maybe on a hillside as he's looking out over his sheep or Depending on where he was in his life, David, maybe he was the king and he was remembering a time where he was a shepherd of actual sheep. He's looking out over the terrain and he's reflecting on the good shepherd and how the good shepherd will protect him and guide him and restore him. And his heart is so stirred with affection for the good shepherd that it goes from talking about God to talking to God. He goes from saying he as if the good shepherd is some distant kind of idea to being you as if the good shepherd is right there in his presence. Here's what happens as we get to know the good shepherd. We transition from talking about him as some distant idea to talking to him as a friend. This is actually a sign of our faith maturing. It's when we're we know that we can, in fact, go to the good shepherd and we don't have to say he to somebody else and, and that be as close as we get to the father. No, we can say you, you are the good shepherd. You guide me, you protect me. I need all of that from you, oh God. And then he goes into this part of what the good shepherd provi- <coughs> provides. Excuse me. Verse five. You see, the good shepherd offers a lot of things, and he also offers provision. Now, it's interesting because the scene changes here for the psalmist. He says, and it changes from sheep and shepherd to an actual banquet hall, verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Using this imagery, the psalmist rejoiced in the Lord's provision. Do you know the good shepherd can provide for you? And the good shepherd can provide for you even if there are enemies. When you are functioning, living in the presence of your enemies, you ought not be fearful of what the enemies can do to you, but instead what you must remember is that the good shepherd can provide for you even in the presence of your enemies or even in resistance from people. There's this image of it anointing the head with oil, which was a refreshing and soothing tradition. And it harmonizes the concept of the gracious host welcoming someone to his home. And God's spirit, again, is provided as this anointing oil. God provides supernaturally for you through his spirit. God as the good shepherd can do all of these things. And here's what's so wonderful about God. When you are walking with the good shepherd and you are gladly following him wherever he takes you, whatever path he takes you on, not only does he provide for you what you need, but he provides for you in such a way that you will at times be keenly aware of how much you have and you will be able to say, 
my cup overflows. I don't just have what I need, God, to provide for my daily wants or needs, but I have more than I need. My cup overflows. Do you know that if God is our shepherd, we can trust that God will provide? If we reject God as shepherd, the enemy always wins. And so this psalm is so rich, and we have this picture of the good shepherd and how he nourishes and restores and guides and protects and provides. I hope that this will just wash over you this morning. Maybe you've come in here and you're feeling a little down or you're feeling stressed or or maybe you just need to be encouraged. Maybe you just need to be reminded of who God is. And though things in your mind might be getting complicated as to what it means to follow God and love God, and maybe it's been a while since you've been in the church and even heard anybody really talk warmly about God. God, as the good shepherd, does all of these things for your good and for his glory. And all of these things beg a response from us. Verse six, the response that's begged from us is we consider the goodness of the good shepherd is faith. Verse six, the psalmist is filled with faith. faith. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalmist has faith in the goodness and the mercy of the good shepherd. And he trusts that he will enjoy the presence of God forever. And here's the thing, you can too. You know, this imagery of the good shepherd and the sheep, it's fascinating because Isaiah the prophet picks up on it when he's talking to Israel about the Messiah, the one who would come as deliverer. And in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, he talks about the Messiah as the good shepherd and how he will tend to his flock. Look there in verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And then when Jesus arrives... In the New Testament, we read about the life of Jesus in the Gospels, and Jesus does this really radical thing when he claims to be the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So you can know the good shepherd because Jesus, as the good shepherd, laid his life down for you. This is the good news of the Bible. This is the message of hope that we give every single week. We try to encourage one another with. We're restored by. We're, we're, we're um, given hope by. Even in the midst of all that's going on in our world, we know that there is hope. And the hope comes in the person and work of Jesus as the good shepherd. And not just as some distant shepherd who's barking out orders to his sheep, but as a shepherd who's come and is near to us, lays his life down for us so that we can walk with the Father. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the way. Maybe you're here and you've never crossed over the line of faith. Maybe you've never gotten to a point in your life where you've recognized that your sin separates you from God and you need something to get rid of that sin and 
What I'm telling you this morning is that Jesus, Jesus, when he died on a cross, he made a way for your sin to be forgiven. And through faith, your sin will be forgiven. You're given new life, just like Jesus was raised from the dead. That's what you call becoming a Christian or being saved or becoming a believer or being born again. All these other words that are in the Bible that we use. You can today. You can cross over that line of faith and you can enter into a relationship with a good shepherd. Or you can choose to reject the good shepherd. You can. I feel no pressure to persuade you one way or the other. I do certainly feel called to tell you and invite you into it. Let me tell you this. If you reject the good shepherd, then you will miss out on restoration and guidance and provision and the relationship with the good shepherd. But if you choose to follow the good shepherd because of your faith in Jesus Christ who will erase your sin, you can enjoy all that God has for you. And even for those of us that have said at some point in our life, yes, we want to we enter into a relationship with a good shepherd. We want to be a sheep and the good shepherd. And we recognize that Jesus laid his life down and that's great. And it's transforming our lives. Even though we've said that, there are certain seasons where we're tempted to find the answers for our want in some other place. I mean, as the good shepherd is saying, to us is you have no need for finding your want in some other place. You can find it in me. But we are still human and imperfect and in process. And all of us go through seasons, maybe daily, where we're trying to find our want in other things, maybe a person or success or some sort of other um, behavior that, that would be different than what God has laid out for us. And this temptation for finding the satisfaction for our wants and some other things in the good shepherd, uh, it arises from our hearts. And there's also a very real force out there called the devil. In fact, Jesus talks about the devil and the work of the supernatural to distract us from a relationship with a good good shepherd. He says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy But I, Jesus speaking, came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So in faith, we submit to God, the good shepherd, because we believe that that's the place where we want to find nourishment, protection, and guidance. If you're willing, you get the joy of a relationship with God. You get the hope that there will be a day when Jesus, as the good shepherd, will return to get the sheep. And until then, we get to be a part of introducing other people to God as the good shepherd. We get to spread the good news that there's a way to enter into a relationship with God through the good shepherd Jesus, who laid his life down for the sheep. You get ultimately with the good shepherd, the peace of life with Jesus Christ. But if you choose some other way, you're on your own. Someday you'll stand before God, not as a sheep who knows him, but as an enemy of God who will suffer eternally. What I want you to consider this morning is do you know the good shepherd? For those of you that do, I want you to be encouraged. Whatever's going on in your life, where do you need guidance? Go to the good shepherd. In what areas do you feel like you need protection? Go to the good shepherd. What parts of your soul are weary and longing and need restoration? Go to the good shepherd.
you can trust him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you bow your head?